Rochester Today with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Good morning. It is Rochester Today, Thursday, back to winter. <laughs> I'm Andy Brownell. Tom Ostrom is with us. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Andrew. We're all hunkered down for at least a little bit more, so we might as well enjoy the program, right? You bet. What's in the mailbag today? Branco, the political cartoonist satirist going after our governor again. And this is true. Um, the Star Tribune hired Governor Waltz's commissioner as the next publisher. So <laughs> Waltz is saying to him, nice work, Steve. And, and it'll be called the Waltz Tribune. <laughs> so, <laughs> I thought it already was. Oh, I'm just joking. <laughs> well, you got me. And then that little Buddha gig, a transportation secretary. Um, <laughs> I saw one cartoon where he's, he, he looks like that mad character, or what me worry guy. And so Branco again draws that face of his and puts Buddha gig's face on the front of the train that crashed in Ohio and uh, and it has Booty Gig's face on the front of the engine and it says the little engine that couldn't because he doesn't even show up there. He bla- he says he's got to give his staff uh, uh, room and not get in their way. But anyway, so Branco has a cartoon of Booty Gig uh, ignoring the Ohio chemical disaster uh, saying the problem is we have too many white construction workers. And he did say that. He did. Yes, he did. Uh, it, that story won't go away either for the uh, the Biden administration. Um, I heard yesterday reports that um, people were taking well water out that was smelling, had a chemical smell to it, while the EPA is saying the water is safe. Although they haven't tested all the wells, they've only tested the municipal systems, mm-hmm. and um, and and the problem they're having is in the world we live in today. There's not a whole lot of trust in government at this point. So even if the EPA tells people the water is safe, they're not believing the government when they're telling them. So it's creating uh, an even more complex situation. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And I had speculated that Biden and FEMA's lack of response there was political, like everything else the Democrats do, because that's a heavy pro-Trump, blue-collar um, trade area. And so uh, Wayne did some research on that. And he says, the people of East Palestine, Ohio, where the train wreck occurred, in the 2020 presidential election voted 27% for Biden, 72% for Trump. Does that explain the lack of help from the feds? Wow. That, that is one of the more uh, uh, red areas of the country you would find right there, I guess. That's right. That was my cynical conspiratorial <laughs> uh, uh, synthesis, Andrew, and it seems correct. Uh, and then from Jerry, 
Biden is determined to get us into World War III, which he wants, I think we should hand Biden over to the U.N. and should be prosecuted for the Nord Stream Pipeline Terrorist Act. Uh, he said before it happened that uh, that the Russia should be deprived of their oil uh, advantage. And, and, and one of the State Department officials who testified against Trump in an impeachment trial, uh, Newland is her name, Newland. I just, that popped into my head, thankfully. Uh, she had said the same thing. The Nordstrom, uh, line uh, will not survive if he knew Putin invades Ukraine. So, uh, uh, and a, and a distinguished, uh, uh, reporter, investigative reporter whose name I can't think of now, uh, has written an article thinking, saying that's what uh, was done, that Biden had the U.S. Navy drop a, a, a sinking bomb into the region. Well, we'll see what happens on that. Well, we'll what? talk later in the hour, I imagine, about the ongoing war in Ukraine. Yes. And the impact. Yeah. Okay. Yes. One more mailbag from Rose. Um breakfast at school for all Minnesota students? Well, why not supper? Why not keep the family from having any meals together? Let the state manage the children. Uh, parents are a danger. Is that a level field, uh, level playing field thing going on to make everybody feel better? Uh, this is a leftist move to diminish the influence of the family. And then uh, I heard you and Andy talking about uh, uh, local news stations uh, seeming to be more credible and professional than the mainstream media. Uh, I believe that. Uh, my uh, polls show it. And I think local stations are more professional. They want to get the news out to the local people. They are more in touch with local people than the elitist uh, reporters in Washington are. They don't have hidden agendas. I think we just have small town nice reporters doing their job in the uh, interior states. All right. Thank you, Rose. That's so, it. Okay. That was my next question. Very good. Well, I'll zip out of here for a quick break and return in just a few moments with Tom Ostrom. I'm Andy Brownell. It's Rochester Today on News Talk 1340, KROCAM and 96.9 FM. Get a head start on the summer window roofing and siding season with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340, KROCAM and 96.9 FM. Good morning. We have returned for more of Rochester Today, Minnesota and local news. Tom, what do you want to what do you want to start with? Bethany Blankley, uh, Alpha News, Minnesota and North Dakota border patrols are continuing to catch and thwart human smugglers coming over the northern border, thinking that's easier. But but winter has been a real problem for them. But the work sector, uh, which includes Minnesota, has reported uh, a lot of gotaways, but also some people that they've arrested to smuggling smuggling humans and smuggling narcotics narcotics and uh they get into canada legally and then they come over the border uh into the united states but they do so at their peril the article says double digit uh, rain and snow and minnesota north dakota are uh, in the u.s customs and border protection grand fork sector and uh 
uh, some agents from the southern border are being sent up here to cope with it, but the weather's dangerous for them and for the migrants, and migrants have died, and uh, Border Patrol people have picked up uh, uh, migrants and and, uh, their traffickers who've been caught in storms and have called on their phones for help. (laughs) I imagine they would, yeah. Uh, in some of those areas, it's a miracle they had a cell signal. They're, they're so remote. But, they, you know, it's still a far cry from what they're seeing in the southern border. I read the article and it was, you know, the numbers are in the hundreds, not the hundreds of thousands. Mm-hmm. So, but they are up there patrolling and there is an effort to combat it. But you reminded me of a, a few months back, there was a story about some illegal immigrants who came across the Minnesota border in the north and made their way, uh, it's probably not even an hour south, and they stopped at a gas station in a little town called Grigula, which is in the middle of nowhere out by Thief River Falls, and uh, something happened there that drew suspicion that led to a later traffic stop, or they were caught at the gas station, and then another group was caught later on, and I, I know some folks who live in this little tiny, 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 tiny town up there in northwestern Minnesota and uh, asked if they had heard about this because you would have thought this would have been big news in the little town of Grigla that this immigration bust had occurred at their local convenience store. Nope. Nobody had no idea. Hmm. Oh. Yeah, that was that caught, that caught me by surprise. It made statewide news, but where it actually occurred, nope, they had no, didn't hear a thing. Mm, yeah. Well, it's a busy border there, uh, Pigeon River. Uh, my dad retired, but he took some exams and uh, ended up working part-time with customs and uh, immigration up there. He loved it up there. The scenery was beautiful. I'd go see him. And uh, my dad was more... My whole family is more conservative than I was. I mean, I come from a law enforcement family and law and order school teachers and everything else. But uh, uh, he was good at his job because he was so suspicious <laughs> of anyone. <laughs> he was especially suspicious of people who were nice and smiled a lot. <laughs> and well, he, he one time had a little old lady get out of the car and his, his own colleague said, John, what are you doing? She comes across his border every day. She's so sweet, gives us cookies. He said, that's the problem. Get out, lady. <laughs> he took the cushions out and here she was smuggling all kinds of stuff. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, he was suspicious of nice people. <laughs> the cookies are a ruse. That's yeah. funny. That and another a good time, one. he caught a, a communist uh, coming over the border. A member of the Communist Party, and uh, uh, they were illegal either in Canada or the U.S. I can't remember what. And he didn't like how the guy looked at him, how the guy looked away, how the guy blinked when he asked questions. Get out of the car, and they did research, and he was a member of the U.S. Communist Party. Either the Canadians wanted him, or the U.S. did, but he was good at that. <laughs> wow. The border. <laughs> oh, my, and I have a ancestor who I, if I go back, is it three generations? Two. Great, great uncle or what? Well, I can't, I can't, I'd have to look at the family tree again, but he was killed in the line of duty mm. uh, as a border security agent. Wow. Yeah. On a train between the U.S. and Canada. Right. I believe this would have been in the 20s or 30s. 
And they actually recently erected a memorial to him. Uh, I think it's at the International Falls border crossing area. Wow. wonder what he ran into. Smugglers. Wow. It wasn't some little old lady with cookies, I'm sure. Weren't you, didn't you have a female relative too that you think was in the CIA? Oh, we don't talk about that, Mr. Ostrom. You can't. Okay. <laughs> That's classified. Okay. <laughs> we'll leave that to your conspiracy theory mind to figure out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, more time for Minnesota? Yeah, you betcha. Uh, Democrats uh, in the legislature raised the reimbursement rates for a child care program. Republicans want more investigations because fraud did play, take place. Uh, more than five to six million dollars prosecutors have proved. But uh, the Democrats got it passed anyway to reinstate that uh, fraud prone child care program and, and the estimates give, and Who's even it? give it more money. the estimates of the fraud are more in the hundred million dollar range but you're right they haven't prosecuted to that level but that's what some of the auditing has suggested it may be as high as in excess of 100 million dollars in fraud the other issue with this and it's something i haven't heard brought up yet is if you look at every other instance where the government moves in and subsidizes an industry, and that's what this is. It's a, it'll be a tax credit for families earning up to $200,000 will be eligible to receive. Well, in general, look at what happened in medicine and in higher education. When you pushed money into it, government money into it, the costs increase very rapidly. So I imagine that any idea that this is going to make it more affordable will be very uh, temporary, that as the ability for parents to pay for the child care increases, the child care providers will increase their charges to recover the higher costs that they have incurred mm-hmm. by increasing the salaries that they've had to pay for the child care workers, and we'll be back where we started in a relatively short amount of time. Mm, wow. There's your cynical view right there. You bet. Minnesota Democrats, uh, you talked about this last time, Andrew, so I won't say any more about it, but Minnesota Democrats have introduced a physician's assistant suicide bill. Canada has done that uh, in the extremes, critics say. and if, But if passed, the legislation would permit adults with terminal illnesses uh, uh, with six months or fewer left to live to be able to request medical aid and dying medication. Um, so I, 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 I know Canada go- seems to be going to extremes on that, but uh, I, I really have no problem with that. If people are, are cognizant and uh, relatives agree and they agree and medical people uh, agree, why, uh, to me, that's, uh, that seems uh, humane. I think the issue gets down to the nitty-gritty, Tom. When the legislation is written, how tight is the definition? Um, do you have, you know, or is it broadened to include people going through emotional distress? Uh, is it only, you know, physical ailments? I mean, is it tied down to, yeah. you know, right. death Death is imminent due to natural causes, and then therefore, or or do you open the door, you know, two years later, and say, well, you know what, we ought to include people who 
are going through bouts of depression or, you know, you know, I'm, the old slippery slope argument, I guess. Right. Is what I'm well, saying. that's what Canada has done. Uh, the slippery slope you, uh, you mentioned, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with this and people who are in tremendous pain if medications don't take care of that. And that's where there is a lot of sympathy for this, that those situations do exist and they're tragic. So, and people, I, I guess I, once again, cynical and worrisome about the slippery slope part of it. Sure. The other part, uh, action at the state legislature before we move on is, um, the bill that opens it up, uh, for driver's licenses, regardless of immigration status, was approved by the state Senate this week and is now headed to the governor who is expected to sign it. So, um, in the very near future, People who come to Minnesota without documentation of citizenship or permanent status will be able to get a driver's license. Now, they, well, 20 years ago, they, 25 years ago, that was the case as well. But Tim Pawlenty put in the restriction of the citizenship requirement back in the 90s, and it has stood ever since. And this move, um, promoted by business groups, um, public safety groups, uh, you name it, but I know Republicans in the state legislature are arguing that it will make it that much easier for illegal voting to occur. Mm-hmm. And I know the argument is that, well, you don't have to produce a driver's license to vote, but there are situations like absentee voting where you use the driver's license number as proof of your right to vote. Sure. Yes. And the other one, oh, go ahead, Tom. No, I, I'm just listening to you. And the other one that uh, came through this week, is the restoration of voting rights to convicted felons. And that is also going to the governor's desk for his signature, and I think that's a done deal as well. And in that case, you have the current law is if you're a convicted felon, you cannot get your right to vote restored until you've finished your probation, parole, supervised release, and or paid your restitution that you owe to the victim. After you fulfill all of those requirements, you can petition to have your voting rights restored. This new law, which will likely go into effect this summer, will erase that part of it, and it will be once you're kicked out of prison. Even if you are on supervised release or probation, you'll be able to get your uh, voting rights restored. So that's pretty. Um, that one's pretty controversial. Yeah. And also on the crime front, this one is a proposal at this point, but there is a move afoot in the state legislature to take what we have in Minnesota as good time off, credit for good time off. So if you are sentenced to um, any prison sentence with good behavior, you're eligible for release after serving two-thirds of your sentence. And the rest of it is on supervised release. Uh, And that is already, you know, you have people who are sentenced to fairly lengthy prison sentences, and if you cut a third off of them, those sentences all of a sudden they're not all that lengthy. Mm -hmm. Uh, This proposal would make it 50% of your sentence, you'd be eligible for release if you met certain provisions. Basically, if you're a model prisoner while you're in the system and applied yourself to personal improvement goals, etc., etc., you'd be able to earn release after serving 50% of your time. And I I actually see this being as useful in a lot of situations where you have 
a person who really is trying to make good for the rest of their lives and perhaps has been convicted of a nonviolent or uh, less serious crime. But if you have, you have people, you know, they game the system. I guess that's that would be my worry. And then you could have somebody um, serving only half of the time expected and be right back out on the streets and committing crimes. Now, the supporters of this argue this will lower the recidivism rate because of the goals that will have to be set within the prison system. And I, I have no idea if it's got legs or not, but it's been proposed. Well, I don't have the article in front of me. I didn't put it in my file, but uh, I read that places like New York and uh, New York State and others where there's a lot of uh, woke uh, prosecutors uh, with this no bail system, that yeah. people are being let off the hook uh, easily, that the high rate of, of uh, repeat crimes and recidivism is significant among those people. Well, we're seeing that here, at least anecdotally. I can tell you that uh, if you look at the folks who are in jail and the people showing up in court, oftentimes it's the same name on a regular basis. And in a lot of cases, no bail has been set. And in some of those cases, the people are accused of violent crimes. Boy, you're accepting anecdotal evidence, Andrew? <laughs> <laughs> All right. You got me with that one. <laughs> I never take... get you. I never get you. <laughs> we uh, we have to scramble back to the newsroom. Um, I can't okay. believe we've already used up this much time. But we'll come back in a few moments with more. Tom Ostrom. I'm Andy Brownell. It's Rochester Today. I'm News Talk 1340 KROCAM and 969 half. Hi, I'm Albert. A UCARE Medicare. Tom Ostrom's here. What's the next topic for us, Tom? Uh, Virginia's Attorney General has led 19 states and their attorneys general in sending a letter to the FBI demanding the records and they come clean about the origins and the implementation of the leaked anti Catholic memos. Uh, that indicated the FBI was spying on religious Catholics, traditional Catholics, Catholics who uh, liked the uh, uh, Latin mass. And they had a term, the FBI, for these Catholics called radical traditionalist Catholics, RTCs. And the Republicans wanted to go to the background of it. It came out of FBI's Richmond, Virginia office, uh, labeling uh, religious people and Protestants, too, of a threat to the nation, of, of being white supremacists, of uh, of being threats to the nation. And the, and the FBI now, because they've been caught at it, said we have uh, dispensed with that and we don't allow that anymore. But the Republicans, anymore. The, the Republicans say, uh, you're not through. We want to know who, what, why, where, and if you still got the documents and if you're still doing it, because frankly, we don't believe you. And I, if I remember correctly on this, the motivation supposedly for the memo is from is it the Southern Poverty oh, what is the exact name of the organization that publishes its own list of what it feels are um, radical elements extremists in the United States and it um, accepts private donations it's it's um, it's not a governmental agency let's put it that way but a, a, a poverty center I think it's that's called. it I think you're right yep. And but apparently, according to the allegations concerning these memos, has great influence on some FBI officials or agents, which is worrisome to say the very least. It is. 
And the Pope doesn't like the Latin Mass either. He said it's splitting the church. But to me, the Latin Mass uh, uh, is unifying the church. And I read an article where the Pope is, is simply wrong about that because uh, uh, one person studied the, the Latin Mass attendees and they, they are mixed ethnically, culturally, racially. And they're largely young people who get great comfort from the Latin Mass environment uh, uh, and its seriousness and its beauty and its calmness. So, the, But our Pope doesn't like the Latin Mass either. There's a... There's a handful of churches in this part of the state that um, do have, I believe, they offer a Latin Mass on Sundays or Saturdays. I don't, I've never heard about them attracting uh, extremists, but that is, a, as I said, a worrisome development that the FBI might try to go down that road. Yeah, well, remember, they went after uh, critics of school board members. Well, in that, in that particular case, of the man who was accused of shoving um, another protester outside of an abortion clinic out east. Mm-hmm. And it went to trial on federal charges. I think the guy's name was Hoke or Hook. And uh, the jury uh, acquitted him of the charges. Mm-hmm. Said no. And, and even the local prosecutor in that case said, I'm not going to charge this thing. This has. There's nothing going on here. No. Yeah, I was on a public sidewalk. It, the aggressor was the other protester who sure. it pushed was, the uh, yeah. yeah, who was getting very, very verbal with the man's son, and he came to yeah. his son's defense. And then the FBI actually came to his house with a SWAT team to take him into yeah. custody. Yeah. yeah, but he yeah he won his case. Good. The Epoch Times, the National Archives. <laughs> that has the freedom documents of our history and people were in that room looking at the Declaration of Independence and, you know, the Bill of Rights with it and other things. And some people walked in there with pro-life clothes on to see the Bill of Rights and the National Archive staff kicked them out, said they couldn't wear those things. uh, Get out of here. And you're dangerous. And so a law student at one of the schools, uh, Liberty University that that was there, uh, filed suit. But security guards approached her, said she was disturbing the peace with all that. And yet there were people in the National Archives that had BLM shirts on. That was fine. And so uh, the uh, uh, anyway, uh, uh, a civil rights group uh, is investigating it. And uh, and the, the archives officials apologized for the incident. And, uh, and and said they can wear what they wish. But here it, it, in the <laughs> of documents, uh, uh, they, they got yeah. that in. And the same thing happened to the Smithsonian the Institute. Uh, and uh, and then they were pressed on that and they apologized. So you got these woke people uh, at these institutions that don't want to have any contrary politics in their premises either. And obviously our... Uh think they are more in charge than they are. <laughs> well, that's a good I, way to put it, Andy. More in charge than they are. <laughs> I can I just I can just see reading the Bill of Rights. I'm reading yeah. the First Amendment, and I'm told to leave. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is the original document. Yeah. Well, yeah. you had the situation at the Mall of America where a man is a little bit more complex, but 
uh, a man was booted out because he was wearing a bright shirt that said, I think it said Jesus saves on it. Mm. And security uh, wanted him removed. And there was a whole bunch of fussing on um, social media about that. And mm-hmm. the more complexity to it is that he had been actively preaching within the Mall of America, soliciting um, you know, shoppers, which is against the Mall of America policy. And he had been trespassed out of there in the past for doing that. But this time he wasn't doing it. He was just wearing the shirt and they asked him to leave. But the response to it was, to make a long story short, shirt, I said, <laughs> was... I think it was two weeks after this all happened, the Mall of America was flooded with hundreds of people wearing the same T-shirt mm. <laughs> as a demonstration. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Victor's and they there. were allowed they were allowed to shop and do their thing. Good. Well, uh, this Ukraine war, we just got out of Afghanistan, and the country is uh, tired of never-ending wars that, that don't that our presence and our fatalities and our treasury didn't solve the problem. Things go on as they were, like in the Middle East. And uh, uh, and the Ukraine war is the same way. Uh, and so uh, there was uh, um, hundreds of protesters gathered in Washington, D.C., and they're made the enemy, too, uh, a march against the war machine. And featured speakers were there. Uh, against the uh, U.S. Uh, ongoing war in Ukraine, where does it end? Uh, and uh, Ron Paul was there, a congressman. Tulsi Gabbard was there. And Tulsi served in combat in the Middle East. Uh, and, and yet people are attacking her as unpatriotic for daring to question the Ukraine war. Uh, former Congressman Dennis uh, Kucinich was there. And uh, the protests were in, in Washington, D.C., and Tulsi Gabbard reminded the crowd of several hundred that she said, no one's willing to talk about this. The dangers of the Cold War erupting, of World War III, of nuclear arms. When does this end? It has to be negotiated. It's a proxy war, and uh, it could lead to expanded uh, the conflicts with, with Russia. And you got China, I will add, that is supporting uh, Russia, and, and our, our government has threatened China, and China says, we don't need lessons from you about intervening in the foreign affairs of other nations, and they listed, the, the China uh, representative uh, talked to the Secretary of State uh, in Munich and said, we've got a list of all the wars and the places and the countries that your nation has intervened in, don't accuse us of it, and you're not going to choose our allies for us. All right, we're kind of bleeding into foreign affairs, so why don't we do a break right now? And talk more about these topics when we come back. Rochester Today on News Talk 1340, KROC AM at 96.9 FM. Hey, Pete, how's business? It's great. Foot traffic. With Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Welcome back. More Rochester Today, at least for the next few minutes. Tom Ostrom's here. I'm Andy Brownell. And Tom, um, obviously, we went into the break talking about Ukraine, the war. And there's so many different opinions on this topic and what appears to be an escalation of the tensions between Russia, the United States and China centered over Ukraine, which you briefly mentioned with um, the talks between the Chinese and the Russians about supplying weaponry to the Russians who have uh, surprisingly and apparently depleted quite a bit of their stockpiles 
of tanks, artillery, and other um, tools of war in what has been an unsuccessful attempt to overrun Ukraine. I read a Wall Street Journal um, opinion piece on this that was counter to what Tulsi Gabbard and the others were saying, um, was calling for more weaponry to be sent to the Ukrainians, that uh, the stances taken by Putin thus far have shown a complete unwillingness to seriously enter into negotiations, that all Putin can talk about is uh, winning the war in Ukraine, which would leave Biden and the United States with little choice else but to continue fighting uh, Putin's forces in Ukraine and calling for even the uh, sending F-16 jets and even longer-range missiles to the Ukrainians to assist them in their fight because this columnist argued that the danger of allowing Ukraine to fall to Putin with the Chinese help is far more dangerous than the risks being posed by the escalation of tensions between those countries over the conflict, arguing that it would uh, form a new axis, mm-hmm. not part of the world, with the Chinese, the Russians, perhaps North Koreans, sure, and sure. Iranians aligned against the West. That's I right. I thought it was, it was a it was a thoughtful piece, and but well, it's, but still, the the news is anything but reassuring when you. You know, you hear the threatening language of Putin and you hear Biden's speech in Poland and Ukraine um, vowing to continue the fight and bring the Chinese into the mix. And I think you have more to talk about uh, concerning the Chinese and the situation. So I'll hand it over to you. Well, that's right. And Chinese-American China scholar Gordon Chang, often on Fox, said that China balloon was part of war espionage and war planning by the Chinese, checking us out in relation to Taiwan. But the Chinese foreign minister's going to travel to Russia after after telling U.S. Secretary of State Blinken at a, at a European Congress, we don't need your advice on who our ally should be or your saying we shouldn't uh, support an ally when you have intervened in the affairs of many nations, uh, militarily and politically, and you are now. And NATO is saying, hey, we're giving supplies. I don't think they're giving enough that's in their backyard, but they're saying we're depleting ourselves of defensive weapons, and China knows that we are too, depleting our own stock and reserve of of weapons, giving it to the the Ukrainians. And... uh, But the U.N. ambassador for the U.S. said China will cross the red line if they provide military aid to Russia. Well, what red line? Obama, Obama, too, had a red line he drew in the Middle East and it was uh, crossed and he did nothing about it. And then Zelensky says, if China aids Russia, we're going to have World War Three. Well, who's going to start that? Him? Is he going to send a Russian missile because he has some of them? Uh, into into a NATO country, uh, but this is going on on on, and Putin has said he'd like to negotiate, but Zelensky said we won't negotiate any territory away. So uh, I don't like where this is going, Andrew. I detected that, and it, to me, to have Zelensky issuing statements like that is uh, not helpful at all. I'm being trying to be circumspect on that, but it's actually downright scary that. He would be trying to push 
the world that direction in order to try to what, scare off the Chinese. I don't know. But right. I, I've seen some amazing numbers, um, frightening numbers, that on a conservative estimate that you uh, the Russians have lost 100,000 soldiers in this fight already. Mm-hmm. That that's that's double the U.S. casualties from the Vietnam War. It is more; it's triple even. But you know, it is. But uh, we don't know the Ukrainian casualties. No, we don't. Oh, I, I imagine they're extraordinarily high as well. That's what I'm saying. This is this is a this is a level of violence that the world hasn't seen for quite some time in a conflict. That's right. And China's foreign minister is going to go to Russia this week. Um, his name is Wang Yi. And then I just read today, Andrew, that President Xi of China says he's going to Russia to talk to them in a few weeks. So, yes, it's getting, like you said. It's it's so complex. Uh, there's no easy answer to this. Um, pushing Pushing Putin into a negotiating position is probably the best case scenario, but... He doesn't seem willing to be pushed into that position. And to be honest with you, I really don't care what Zelensky says. It, 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 he can be influenced, let's put it that way, by the country supplying him with his arms uh, to enter into negotiations. It's whether or not Putin can be maneuvered to the point that he'd be willing to, oh, what, um, Negotiate a good faith because I, I I think there's a big question as to whether anything that he has to say is even worth listening to. That oh yeah, we'll we'll sit down and we'll talk, but at the same time he'll be regrouping and actually preparing for an offensive. So there's a day I like you say yeah. I I'm I'm not I've, I've never been to Foggy Bottoms. I've never. <laughs> My expertise is not in this area, but it, uh, I, I, it's getting very scary. Well, Putin wants to keep Crimea, and uh, Putin wants to have some of uh, Ukraine's uh, northern provinces where pro-Russian right. people live. Uh, he wants, and, the, and Zelensky is saying, we won't negotiate if we have to li- give up any territory. So yeah. it's deadlock. And and. And the eastern part of Ukraine, which has been captured in a large part by the Russians, is the big industrial base of Ukraine. Um, you know, their exports are agricultural and industrial, and that part is now controlled or destroyed by the Russians. It's it's a sad, sad thing if you think of you think the of the the blood shed, the lives lost. And the money spent. Oh, one more thing. We got to run though, because we're out of time. Um, the weaponry being used in this Ukraine war is this is the first time real combat situations for some of these American armaments, the HIMARS and other things. And it makes me wonder if our willingness to send some of them is to show their battle worthiness in real in real situations. Mm-hmm. Which could also send a message to the Chinese. It can. Russian. It can. But right now, Britain has sent them missiles that are more long range than any missiles that the West has sent so far. And the Ukraine will get them 
and you wonder where those missiles will go and what will happen then. All right, Tom. More to discuss when we get together next week. But we do have to run. Thank you so much. Tom Ostrom with us. I'm Andy Brownell. It's been Rochester Today on News Talk 1340, KROCAM and 96.9 FM. Are you drowning in IRS tax debt? 